Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. Holden, I'm 24 today. Golden birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Jimmy. No, what better way to spend it than doing the pod? Exactly. I was, I was so, uh, <laughs> I had forgotten that today was the 24th, the day we're recording, and and then I was like, oh, Jimmy's willing to spend his birthday with me. Only because we're doing, only because we're doing Dune. If this was Halloween Kills, no way. <laughs> Oh yeah, we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our review of Dune. Very, very excited for this. Alright, Holden, let's do it. That one movie podcast. Tomp. First Jimmy we first Jimmy we've gotta do the Toms. You know, Holden, if you just break and wait and then do it again i could have edited it out no i think it's funnier if i just if i do that okay i i I knew what i was doing perfect Toms is a rapid-fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Toms, Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. Yeah, let's start off with these trailers, Holden. Which one should we start with? Uh, let's start with... Um, we can do Ambulance. <laughs> Ambulance. <laughs> That's the one I just watched. Um, so this Ambulance, uh, which we saw, it was it played before Dune. I think I had seen it beforehand just because I heard it was a new Michael Bay movie. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what this train wreck looks like. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fairly lengthy trailer. It's, um, the movie seems to be about uh, Jake Chillenhall and uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen from Candyman and all the stuff that I've talked about him in before. Um, it's they're they're like I don't know cohorts. They they call each other brothers, but I don't know if that's just like a they're close or something. Um, but and I think they also might both be in the military, so that could be it. Anyway, they're they're gonna pull off some sort of heist or something because one of the characters is like, oh my my wife needs an operation, but I can't afford it. That kind of thing. Um, and the, the heist goes awry as you know as it usually does, and now they're 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 running away in an ambulance. <laughs> I guess <sighs> you said it looked like speed. I can kind of see that because a lot of the movie looks like it's gonna be just in a, a single moving vehicle, and but we'll I don't know. <laughs> now I'm the one making comparisons. Keanu Reeves movies that I have not seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I just thought it was hilarious because this trailer is almost like a parody of Michael Bay movies. Like, you could have told me <laughs> SNL made this with Jake Gyllenhaal and Yaya Abdul-Mateen <laughs> co-starring in that episode or being the hosts on that episode because it is like every single shot is just massive sweeping <laughs> telephoto lenses. Yeah, they're just circling crazy, around the characters constantly. Crazy, close-ups of the, of the faces. Yeah, crazy orbiting around. Michael Bay's like signature shot is where he has this really long... Long focal length, so it's a long 
uh, focal length is something that really condenses the image. So like things in the background seem like they're a lot closer. Mm-hmm. So Michael Bay does this a lot where it's like a close up of a character in this huge landscape and it's really close to their face and the background's really there and they like orbits around them. So there's like a ton <laughs> of visual stimuli going on in the image and it looks really cool, but every shot of this trailer is like that. It's all unmotivated. It's just yeah. like these cars are driving the, driving down the street and the camera's like flying around. <laughs> <laughs> it is insane. And he does the thing where everything is like a hero shot too, where the camera is like below uh, the person, below the person like aimed up at their face to kind of make them look bigger, have a bigger presence on screen. Kind of like I am right now holding on, on Skype. Oh, they are looking up at me. Because I'm standing. I was like, I want to stand for this episode. See, Well, we'll see how I do. This is the first time I've done a standing podcast. So, But uh, yeah, Michael Bay, uh, This is he's just throwing everything in, along with the kitchen sink, his bag of tricks. And it looks ridiculous. I have no concept for what the plot is. I think it's going to be not very good. So I'm no. going to give it a bombadil. Yeah, I don't think we're actually going to see this. <laughs> like, I don't want to. I think I would rather just do, like, a request <laughs> that week it comes out if there's nothing else. Um, but it uh, it does look very dumb. I One of the things that I'm curious about, a lot of it, like, Michael Bay is known for his use, overuse of CG. It looks like there's a lot of, like, actual helicopters and cars and stuff. So I'm, I'm interested to see how much is, like, actually practical. But I'm not holding out hope for anything that impressive practically. Cause yeah, he, other tropes, lens flares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And firework explosions. Anything yeah. you see in Transformers, <laughs> essentially. Um, I, also, I never thought about it as a firework explosion. That's good, though. What? <laughs> Where he just launches sparklers out of the yeah. middle of them or something. <laughs> it doesn't look real. <laughs> um the other thing I want to bring up is Jake Gyllenhaal just keeps popping up in random movies. Like, why? Yeah. He's just a very, <laughs> he's a very well-established, great actor. Why? <laughs> why is he not being more picky about the movies he's in? Yeah, I wonder if his uh, he's he's starting to get the Michael Fassbender treatment of some of his movies. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Well, he's in good movies too, though. Michael Fassbender just is mostly in not good movies. That's true. That's true. Um, but I mean, he should be like Ryan Gosling level. Like Gosling, yeah. you know, like his movies. It's like, oh, here's a Ryan Gosling movie. This is like, what the heck? Got some what is Ryan this? Gosling news later in the podcast. But uh, yeah, so I'm, yeah, Bombdale for me. Holden, let's for me too. Let's talk about Red Notice. Huh? Sure. I think it, it looks good. I think it looks like a good time. Yeah, I uh, yeah, it looks fun. I mean, this trailer is basically the same thing as the last one we talked about. This is actually like a full-length trailer. Uh, the last one, I guess, was just a teaser. Um, it, it's basically the same thing. Um, when we get the gist that Dwayne Johnson is an FBI agent and he recruits Ryan Reynolds, who is an art thief, to catch this bigger art thief played by Gal Gadot. Um... Yeah, I mean it, it looks fun. I I don't I'm I'm curious it, like in terms of shots, it looks like it's shot pretty well. There's some interesting stuff going on in this trailer with uh with colors and whatnot. Um it looks like uh it looks like it has that uh polish that um um oh what's his name? Uh, bird 
director bird not it's not larry bird not the brad bird brad bird yeah it's got <laughs> so you know brad bird did the incredibles and all that but they need a mission possible four it's got that kind of expensive looking polish to it and i get that similar vibe with this where it does seem very polished expensive extravagant globe trotting kind of how mission possible ghost protocol did um and it just seems very confident I laughed more times watching this trailer than I did watching all of Free Guy. So <laughs> I I thought yeah, Ryan Reynolds' true. delivery of the I got it on Etsy line was pretty funny. And also when he tries to break the glass, but he just smacks Yeah, that elbow. was the funniest part. Well, so that's two laughs, and we laughed once in Free Guy. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We did laugh once. <laughs> um, I'm The only thing I'm worried about is have they already showed us all the funny parts? Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it, this is the movie that's, what, costing $200 million or whatever to make? It's like, I think this is Netflix's most expensive movie they've ever made. And it's, it's like an absurd, like, $200 million or something like that. So we'll see. I'm, I think I'm it's hope- going to be a hit. It kind of gives me Jumanji vibes, too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. it just has that Is it because fun- Dwayne Johnson's in it? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's also just, like, the tone of it. It's like this fun adventure tone but it's like if you took jumanji and combined it with what like a i don't know like a james bond almost or get smart sort of deal not quite to that extent but i don't know it's just got a fun good time a jungle cruise was the other one but also the rock is in that so i'm just (laughs) naming other gives me some serious skyscraper vibes holding (laughs) rampage (laughs) never did see rampage Hopefully I. I never will. So um, I'm gonna go Brokaw. Yeah, I'll give it a Brokaw. Sure. Um, let's do Being the Ricardos. So this was a trailer that, or this was a movie that I'm not sure. I think maybe we had briefly mentioned it, like when it was announced, but I had no idea it was coming out this soon. I didn't even know it was really. I had completely forgotten about it. Really. Well, it's a new Aaron Sorkin movie both written and directed um which is just over a year since his last one came out uh but this is a movie that seems to be chronicling the the life and times of lucille ball um famous actress a star of i love lucy um but it's her and her husband they're played by nicole kidman and javier bardem both fantastic actors don't put it in your pocket (laughs) What you what you think of the this little trailer? Uh it's a it's a definitely a teaser. We don't get much. It looks good. I I think it looks much better than Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, yeah. I'm much more interested in it. It gives me some mank vibes a little bit. It's cuz it's black and white. Yeah, but then also it's just the old Hollywood <laughs> Hold on, I'm not that superficial, okay? <laughs> no, I know. My, my analysis <laughs> just... comes off as very superficial cuz I'm just comparing it to things that are very obvious but it goes no, deeper I know. than that i know <laughs> i'm just i'm making fun of you um but uh yeah it gives me the old hollywood vibes i think aaron sorkin obviously is very capable of writing uh, excellent screenplays um so i'm excited to see this one again i i'm just like you uh had uh completely forgotten this was coming out and it's coming in December, November, December, December. 10th? It's like, yeah, December tenth. I think it's in some theaters, and then December twenty first on Amazon Prime. Oh, what a way to spend the winter solstice! 
yeah, I mean, assuming this is good, this will even clutter up our... I mean, I don't know if we'll actually talk about it on the cast, but we'll see. On the cast? On the cast. <laughs> Who calls it a cast? It's on the pod, Holden. On the pod. Blake Either is or. our Blake so, is it, officially our first guest star. I don't know if he, people can hear him faintly <laughs> meowing. He is being very loud. He's, yeah, this is the first time he's actually been, uh, been kind of loud. But we welcome it for we our, welcome it. our cat Blake. fans out there. Blake, come here. But uh, as long as he doesn't disrupt the podcast any more than Holden, at least we should Which be pretty good. Uh, um, yeah. So I'll give this a broke off. I will too, and I was gonna say the same thing. It really, I mean, just the end of this year is stacked, mm-hmm. and I'm guessing we'll start getting to see some of those movies or films that debuted at TIFF and stuff that have been really well regarded, like Power of the Dog and. Mm-hmm stuff like that uh, you know in that january february march time leading up to the oscars so i uh yeah we got a great kind of six months ahead of us so yeah i'll give it a broca yeah uh and then finally finally we got an uncharted trailer trailer for this long anticipated film adaptation of the uh sony playstation series of the same name uh, we have chronicled its long, arduous development on here. I think it was announced and started long before we started this podcast, but uh, it, we, we've we very much been talking about it since the very beginning of this. So it's all been leading up to this, Jimmy. And and how was the trailer? I think it looks pretty bad, Olden. <laughs> uh, at least, I mean, at least, I guess it looks mediocre, I would say. And it certainly doesn't feel like an, the Uncharted games at all, which mm-hmm. is not inherently a bad thing. But, I mean, as someone who likes Uncharted, it's incredibly disappointing that I. it seems like they're just trying to combine some stuff from all the games, and specifically a lot of 3, three and 4. Um, I, I don't love how they just took things right out of the games. I think that's just dumb i'd rather see something more original give us something we haven't seen Mm -hmm. i would i would rather have a story that takes place in the existing uncharted universe that fits in somewhere is it an apple is it after uncharted 4 is it before uncharted just give us something in between that fits in and then kind of stray a little bit with the characterization and you can kind of take your creative liberties in the same sort of continuity, but the fact that they're just recreating it all in this one hodgepodge piece of trash, I mm-hmm. think it's a bad idea. I mean, that's what they did for Tomb Raider. And I think that movie's pretty, I mean, the, the epitome <laughs> of mediocre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just, I uh, was excited for this movie, and now I'm not. I think uh, Tom Holland and, and Mark Wahlberg just, I like i mean i like both of those actors individually and they can be good in certain roles but i think boy they are it is hard for me to be convinced that they are a good nate and sully i uh i (laughs) just interrupt briefly i've the entire time you've been talking i've been watching blake I didn't know he knew how to open our kitchen cabinets, but he's like been learning and she's just been slowly doing it while I've been watching him here. It's like Jurassic Park. Like, we'll be fine until they learn, unless they know how to open doors and it cuts to the raptor opening the doors. (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, Uncharted, um, I, I saw this comment on the official trailer on YouTube that I thought was really funny, and it said, wow, Tom Holland's really showing us that he knows how to act in different, act as himself in different shirts. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah he i think he's a good actor but i agree he just doesn't he doesn't fit nathan drake he doesn't have that that wisecracking charisma that um the character has in the games that nolan north gave him um yeah i i think the casting is really the big thing for me and i mentioned to you that if this wasn't an uncharted trailer i would think it looks fine like if if it didn't have that preconceived like oh this is supposed to be nate this is supposed to be sully chloe i got i didn't know chloe was in this but um, i was trying to figure out if that was supposed to be chloe yeah i looked i looked it up it is supposed to be chloe um but and then yeah, as, as you said all the different set pieces from the games and everything if if it didn't have that connection, I'd be like, yeah, you know, standard adventure movie, fine. But as an Uncharted adaptation, it's, it's it looks lacking. Well, I was saying, too, that it's just surprising to me because you have Naughty Dog, who is just so precious and careful with The Last of Us. And they weren't going to prove anything that wasn't going to be a worthy adaptation. Mm-hmm. And then they're just throwing Uncharted out there <laughs> like they don't <laughs> care. Um it's just interesting to me, and it, it also makes me think of how Dan Trachtenberg, a very capable director, was supposed to do this originally. I would have liked to have seen uh, him be able to stay on the project and what it would look like from him. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I guess, Ru- so Ruben Fleischer is the current director, and he gets, like, he made the Zombieland movies, which have some good humor in them. And some good like wisecracking kind of stuff in it, but I it's just not represented at all in this movie so far. We'll see. Uh, to me, it just doesn't look like it was made by some people who actually cared about Uncharted. Yeah, it looks just, like it was made by some people who were like, "All right, you need to make a version of these games. Go play the games quickly. This is what the fans like. Now make the game. Now make the movie." Uh, if you haven't already, you should ju- you should just go watch the live action fan film that was released yes, years ago, yes, with which Nathan is very Fillion. good. Um, it's I think it's literally called Uncharted Live Action Fan Film. So go look that up. Got Nathan Fillion in the role, who just I mean everyone thinks he should be Nathan Drake anyway, and I agree. Yeah, uh, I'll give this. Yeah, I'll give this trailer a Bombadil. Honestly, yeah, I'm going Bombadil too. My excitement for this movie has plummeted. Um, uh, so, yes. Um, what do you think is gonna have the higher Metacritic score, uh, Uncharted or uh, Ambulance? Uh, I think they're both gonna be like forties to fifties. I don't know. I feel like Uncharted maybe Uncharted I could see just being kind of bleh, like mediocre to to critics. Ambulance might just be awful. <laughs> I'm going to go with I'm going to say Ambulance okay, as we'll see. a higher score. We'll see. We'll uh we'll probably never revisit that bet. Well, cuz we'll probably forget, but <laughs> <laughs> hold on Uh, yeah charted episode darn it we're gonna look it up okay the 5 un bill is on the line (laughs) i still have it deep cut Um, for our longtime listeners 
Um, yeah, so uh, next up. So Disney announced that they are delaying five Marvel movies. Um, so, and this is starting with the uh, with the first one next year. So Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness got delayed to May 6th. Uh, Thor, which was the previous date for Thor Love and Thunder, which got delayed to July 8th, which was the previous date for Black Panther 2, which got delayed to November 11th, which was the previous date for The Marvels, which got delayed to February 17th, 2023. And that was the previous date for Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania, which got delayed to July 28th, 2023. Um, it seems like... Oh, and there's another unannounced Marvel movie that also got delayed later that year. Um, the only one that doesn't seem to be affected was Guardians of the Galaxy, which kind of makes sense. I think that movie kind of, in terms of production, James Gunn kind of takes it on his own and you don't have to really worry about Marvel's greater scheme. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm curious as to why this is. Is it something where they actually need to change part of a movie because it's not up to their expectations? Or they wanted to change a storyline down the road? Or is it simply, hey, look, our movies are doing decently well now? But they can probably do really well next summer because I think uh, I think uh, I think people are going to be more likely to go out to go to movies in was it May that it's now that yeah Strange then they are going to be in March yeah we'll see from what I understand I I think this was confirmed that it's a production thing it's not so much there I don't think they're as worried about COVID. Because if they were, or like, I guess not COVID, but the, the whole like slowly going back to theaters or whatever. And if that was the issue, I would think they would delay Spider-Man as well. Like it's too close to the Eternals. They wouldn't do that. But Spider-Man, they'd probably delay too. But they're keeping that. I'm guessing, I don't know, maybe Sam Raimi wanted to change something in Doctor Strange or the studio did. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I'm sh- I wonder if we'll ever know exactly why. Uh, it mm-hmm. might be years down the line. Something got changed. But it, it's just very interesting. I, I, we have no idea what it is, but there are people out there who do. So yep. let us know. <laughs> Email in tompodcast at gmail.com. Anonymous. We'll, we'll keep your name anonymous. Yep. Uh, and then the other delay that uh, Disney announced was Indiana Jones 5 got delayed like almost a whole other year to June 2023. <laughs> June 2023? Yeah. I missed that. Well, uh, that well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, we have not heard, seen anything. Mm-mm. I think we even said that it, on podcast or, or somewhere else that <laughs> we saw that release date. We're like, there's no way. We, we definitely <laughs> said that at one point. Um, I think uh, that might have been you. I think I was holding out hope because I am very excited for it. But yeah. You know what? It's, this is good news, Holden. It means they're not rushing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so James Mangold again, guy made Logan. So, uh, yeah, very excited and not, and not the Sutter. So yeah. the good one, <laughs> uh, just kidding. Logan, you're, you're, you're all right. You're, you're all right. right. You're, you're in my top five Sutters. Nice. So, <laughs> um, you're above Holden anyway. So, oh, uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'll give the I'll give this all a Bergeron because um, I don't know. We I'm getting used to waiting for movies. We were kind of talking about it with Dune. That's like I'm really hyped for a movie 
like <laughs> at a certain point, but then it keeps getting delayed. I guess it's like it feels like it's never actually going to come out, and then it, yeah. it actually does, and it's like, well, this is weird. Well, so yeah, luckily know. it doesn't. It's not as common. I mean, I there hasn't been as many film delays that we've talked about on this podcast. This is kind of the first big chunk in a while, so it's slowing down. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, and then I figured we should mention uh, the tragedy that happened on yes. that movie set. Um, Alec, so this Alec Baldwin movie uh, titled Rust um, seems to be some sort of Western of some sort. Uh, on set of this movie, Alec Baldwin was handed a prop gun that wasn't properly checked, we think. Or loaded or something uh, and it the, it was fired and accidentally shot uh, the cinematographer Helena Hutchins and also the director uh, Joel Souza uh, the cinematographer died of the shot and I, the director was critically injured but as far as we know I think they're still alive um, but Alec Baldwin I mean says he's working in full cooperation with the authorities to figure out how this could have happened and everything I mean, I this is like weird timing because I just mentioned last month when I watched The Crow that something very similar happened on the set of that movie with its star Brandon Lee mm-hmm. back in the '90s. Um, but I, I, this is just like awful. I can't like I can't imagine that it's like it's most likely just a mistake on on all accounts from everyone involved and like and everyone involved i can't imagine how bad they must feel i i can't imagine how hard it is for the cinematographer's family and everything this is just and i i was actually doing some reading after this about the the guy who accidentally shot brandon lee and he talks about just how he was like a kind of no-name actor playing a thug in the movie like just just almost an extra i think from what i remember um and he just talks about how he has like still has nightmares about it. He just can't like all this grief he has. It's like awful. But yeah, it's just tragic. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's horrible for everybody involved. Obviously, the the cinematographer uh, just I can't imagine. I mean, just never thinking you're gonna go to work that day and and die and get shot. Yeah. I mean, Oh, it's just awful, 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 and 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 for the, her family, director's family, for Alec Baldwin, I can't imagine the the trauma associated with that, and and mm-hmm. the, I'd have like I just like, I like I would not be able to do any sort of action scene ever again if I were if I was him. I, yeah. I just I don't think I could ever mentally do that, which is, yeah, I mean that's just awful. Um, I guess I we can only hope that this makes films even safer. I mean, that yeah. there's even more precautions now than there than there have been, and and yeah, it's just it's horrible. And I, I hope we never have to talk about something like this ever again. Yeah, and uh, I, there's there's been some things. I think some of the crew have come out and said that they they felt unsafe with other aspects of the movie. None of that has been confirmed yet. So I mean, it's not anything we can, you know, confirm or deny. But I, I, yeah, I really hope this just brings to light like safety on movie sets. I think it will too, because this is a pretty high profile story that a lot of people are talking about. So yeah. So uh, other stories, Holden. 
Yeah, um, this this was pretty recent. Hayden Christensen is all, not only coming back for the Obi One series; he's coming back for the Ahsoka series as well. This is really exciting news, especially for people who are fans of Clone Wars. I mean, this is a dream come true for for lovers of of those that series and the prequels. Mm-hmm. It's just cool to see Hayden come back, man. Uh, yeah, I've, I don't know if I've said this on the the pod or as Holden says the cast. <laughs> but I've kind of come to terms with the realization that Revenge of the Sith is my favorite Star Wars movie. And uh, I so I'm excited to see Hayden Christensen back um, I, and in a role where George Lucas is not writing the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, I, I 100%. I mean, I, I, f- I feel bad for him because I think his career has been tainted by, by the prequels. And I don't... Th- I mean, sure, some of it is due to his performance, but I, I think he's proven himself as an actor since then in the other roles he's taken, and a lot of it is due to the the cringy George Lucas dialogue. <laughs> so I'm sure he, uh, him coming back for this, it'll be a lot better than what a lot of detractors of the prequels, including myself, myself may initially think. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm even. Even I'm excited. Like I don't like the prequels, but I think this is pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm. I'm going uh, Brokaw for this one. Yeah, I'll give it a Brokaw too. And obviously, the d- dynamic between Anakin and Ahsoka, if they can capture what they had in like Clone Wars and stuff, I think that'll be really cool. I don't know how they're going to make it work with canon. Good luck. Yeah, with that, but uh, we'll I'm excited, and <laughs> I don't really care anymore. Honestly, just give us cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, in addition to, like, all the other Marvel stuff we talked about, uh, two new Sony Marvel movies have confirmed release dates in 2023, one coming out in July and one coming out in October. This is in addition, I I didn't know that we had a release date for this, but the Craven the Hunter movie is coming out in January 2023. So get ready, we are getting three of the Sony Marvel movies in 2023, Jimmy. What are the other two? It, they it's not confirmed not confirmed yeah mm. never heard of them as a superhero <laughs> well they they've like announced so many over the years that it could be really any of them there was one that like spike lee was attached to direct which i highly doubt is he still is <laughs> but um I, like i mean there's that silver sable black cat movie there's spider woman i know i don't know there's a bunch of stuff will any of them be good I don't think so, really. I think, I think they're. Uh, I'm not super optimistic. Uh, I mean, I'm excited for the Craven the Hunter. It looks like we're going to be getting in the Spider-Man PlayStation games. Yeah, but this I'll go Bergeron because the, this this, <laughs> spum or whatever we're supposed to call it, is uh, not very exciting. Yeah, well, and I I keep forgetting that we've actually only had two, and it's the two Venom movies, and yeah, they're not good, but. And Morbius doesn't look good. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll get better. Probably not. Um, I also, when I was reading that, I was like, oh, so, okay. So Morbius is coming out next year. Do they have any others? And I forgot Spider Verse Two is coming out next year. When is so, my, when is Morbius coming out? Like January. Okay. When was that supposed to come out? July of last year, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we got that trailer like. A year and a half ago. I was going to say, I, I felt like I was living out at my parents' place. <laughs> I hadn't even started teaching yet. So that is that is a long time ago. Yeah, I think that trailer came out right at the beginning of pandemic. Because it wasn't long after that that it got delayed. So, 
Yeah. Okay, yeah, Bergeron. Uh, so I mentioned Ryan Gosling news earlier. This is it. Uh, he is uh, Ryan Gosling has signed on to play Ken in the Barbie movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, it's it's so weird to say this, but I'm getting so I'm like getting excited for this movie. Yeah. Who, wait <laughs> again. Tell me who's all attached to this again. So so Margot Robbie's the star. Um, Greta Gerwig is directing it, and. Um, what's what's his name who wrote merit and directed marriage story is the writer oh yeah i cannot i can't think of it off the top of my head <sighs> yeah i can't his name eludes me anyway and um and they're uh him and greta gerwig i think they're a couple but they're also frequent collaborators on other movies too so they their pairing has proven itself before it's um, noah noah bombach noah bombach yeah but I just all this talent involved. I'm like, I mean, it's it's a Barbie movie, but it might be really good. <laughs> uh, made of plastic, it's fantastic. Can't wait for those critic lines. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. What do you think of Ryan Gosling as as Ken? Uh, fits. I think that's a perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm I'm glad it's him. I'm glad it's not Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, so Brokaw. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a Brokaw too. Uh, and then the final piece of news. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> hashtag Barbie for best picture. Hashtag Barbie for best picture. Um, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Tarantino has come out this week and just made his his discussion around his tenth movie even more confusing, because he said that uh, he wants to make a spaghetti western. Um, made in the style of classic spaghetti westerns. So he said he, he wants it to be made like everyone on set is speaking a different language. And as he said, uh, he wants it to be so actors just know that when the, the one actor finishes their line, then it's their turn to speak, which is how like spaghetti westerns were made. That's everyone on set was was speaking a different language. Um, but he says he do, he this project, I think he is he's in the planning phase for it. He doesn't consider it his 10th film. So like, Broca, <laughs> we're getting an, an extra movie from Tarantino. Yeah, I and <laughs> I just think it's funny. I do not think he actually wants to end at ten movies. I think maybe he said that like a while ago, and now he's like he he's trying to hold himself to it. But he has all these ideas, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna make more than ten, whatever. He's conflicted. He's like, he I should end at ten, but what am I gonna do? No. <laughs> um, and then the other thing, uh, yeah, I'll give that part of Brokaw too. He has he he keeps teasing the possibility that Kill Bill three might also be in the cards. He he mentioned that in the same interview that he he wants to make Kill Bill three at some point. So, and that can't be his tenth movie because really all the Kill Bills are one movie. <laughs> so I really have another movie. So, yeah, good point. Um. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean that. Yeah, all that news gets a broke off for me because if we just keep getting more Tarantino stuff, that's exciting. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything? Anything else? Holden. Nope. I don't think there's any game stuff. I don't think so either. I mean, I think that Guardians of the Galaxy game is coming out. Did that come out? Yeah, it comes out this week. I keep forgetting it is. We'll see if it's any good. 
Um, I think actually the Eternals first reactions might have come out. So let me just. Yeah. No, I, the Metacritic score is like low, but it seems like it's a very divided movie. Like people either really like it or really don't. Hmm. So uh, the reviews, I can't remember. The main thing I remember seeing was apparently the villains really bad, but apparently it's just a very very unique marvel movie like uh, the trailers kind of give off a vibe of it being different and it is indeed different so we'll see well, i'm excited to see it i mean it's all mixed or positive so far metacritic mm-hmm. uh so yeah it's sitting at a 61 lower but, than free guy and <laughs> it, it, it seems like it's getting a lot of like three out of four two and a half out of four or three out of five stars sort of in that range so mm-hmm. i don't know it does look very different uh we'll we'll see i'm excited but uh yeah hold on let's talk about dune yeah let's do it okay so dune this movie has been very eagerly anticipated by both of us. Um, it is directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve, who has directed just... I, I mean, he directed Blade Runner 2049, which is one of my favorite movies at this point. Uh, just fantastic sequel. I like it better than the original Blade Runner. Um, but he's done... Um, I mean, basically every movie he's made is like a masterpiece. You know, Sicario, Arrival, Prisoners all of those even though i don't think either of us like enemy very much it I, is, I i don't love it but i think it is a good movie yeah no i think it's a good movie i just i don't enjoy it i don't really want to rewatch it um i i enjoyed watching analyses of yeah enemy. <laughs> i thought that was more entertaining than the movie itself because i was but like I, oh okay i get it I, it is incredibly it. well done yeah but i would rather watch prisoners than than enemy and sicario and Arrival, and Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, and in Sunday, and I haven't seen Polytechnique yet. That's, I have seen that. I haven't seen Insandi yet. That's the only one I haven't seen. And then, well, I think he has one from, like, 1999, too, um, that, I, that I haven't seen either, so. Okay. Anyway, so, you know, after Blade Runner came out, I think it was, like, right around the release of that, then it was announced, oh, he's making Dune. And so I was like, oh, dang, this guy's perfect for that. Because, I mean, I don't know a ton about Dune, but I know it's a a big story, very epic in scope, just a ton of lore. And, I mean, based on what he had done with Blade Runner, it felt like the perfect fit. And so now we finally get Dune. It's the first half of the book, roughly. Um, We are hopefully getting a second part in the the coming years. Um, But it... I don't know how to give a synopsis of it. I guess it's uh, this noble family um, with Paul, uh, the House Atreides. I got uh, it. I got it. Hold on. You got House Atreides. They're from Kaladin, this kind of, I don't know, Earth-like planet, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's foresty and stuff like that. You know, I'm sure the books go more detailed and specific than that. But uh, they get tasked with... um, taken over this planet called Arrakis, which mm-hmm. is Tatooine. <laughs> it's a desert planet. It's not Tatooine, but it's a desert planet. 
And um, Arrakis, the thing about it is it's a very hostile environment, but it has the most valuable substance in the universe there that is necessary for interplanetary travel, and that is the spice. spice. Um, the problem is, is that the Harakins, right? It's Harakins, were the ones who were in charge of the spice trade for hundreds of years. Um, so that's this is their Isn't home. It like Harkonnen? Harkonnen, thank you, Harkonnen. Yeah. Uh, this was their home, and they were the ones in charge of the spice trade. And the emperor, because this is like an, an empire, they call it the Imperium. Uh, the emperor commanded the Harkonnens to leave, and then, uh, for whatever reason, kind of out of the blue, why did they do that? Uh, the Harkonnens and the House Atreides both have an inkling as to why, um, which. I, I don't want to spoil. I'll leave that for the movie. Um, so the House of Trades comes to Arrakis. They have to figure out how do we control the spice trade. Um, there's a lot of kind of rivals out to to get our family, and maybe sees this as an opportunity to to kind of change the power dynamic in the Imperium uh, between all these noble houses. So it's it that's where the Game of Thrones elements come in. And uh, the story really follows along Paul Atreides, who is kind of the heir apparent to the House Atreides family. But he is not someone who seeks power. He's very much Harry Potter in the Sorcerer's Stone. He doesn't yeah. want the power. Yeah, he's he, your classic yeah, young protagonist who doesn't really want to... I, I mean, he's he's not like rebellious, but he doesn't really want to do what his parents want him to do. He feels more the obligation of it uh, from his father, who's played by Oscar Isaac, who is mm-hmm. excellent, in my opinion. Uh, and it follows this family. It's kind of focused <laughs> this in... This is such a long synopsis. <laughs> well, I don't know what... Uh, it follows them throughout this time. Paul is a character who is not... He, I'm glad he's not incompetent at all. He's like very competent. He just doesn't want to be the leader but he's also not very like super macho man yeah he's just like i kind of just want to be a normal guy but he has all this like destiny and fate and honor and obligation thrust upon him by different members of his family and and his situation so that's the backdrop for for dune (laughs) and i don't think we need to say anymore you can just they explain it in the whole movie yeah well um you know what the perfect reflection of the movie right here with our podcast because we we had a long synopsis and the the first part of this movie is just is, is a lot of exposition well there's it's, there's how else are you going to do it though i mean you well, just okay. got to do it and and there's some things that you just well we can talk i we can talk about how the structure of this movie may be more so in spoilers or or later on but I'll, I'll let you make your point. Hold on. Go ahead. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, I, I get that you have to, you have to get all of this information across, but that doesn't change the fact to me that I, I, I'm starting off with a negative, but it's really like one of my only problems with the movie. Um, it, it doesn't change the fact for me that the first 20 or so minutes of this is pretty boring in my opinion. I, I mean, I, I was interested in the world. I thought the politics seemed interesting and everything, but it's just a lot of information thrown at you. As someone who's not familiar with the source material very much, I, you know, I, 
it was just a lot to take in (laughs) the sound mixing which we can get into a little bit later i think was at its most egregious in the first part of the movie as well and so that didn't help i the movie really took off after that first 20 to 30 minutes and i think it it really improved my view of it because at first i was like oh this is gonna be a movie that i'm gonna have to appreciate but not enjoy and that's kind of what i thought it was gonna be but then it got to the point where i really really loved the movie after that yeah i didn't really have any problems with the sound mixing and and all that like you said personally i i I didn't find i thought the first part of the movie was slower but i didn't think it was ever i don't think this movie was ever boring like it's slow but it's not boring i guess in a similar way of like blade runner 2049 um i i thought there was it was paced well with how much exposition they had to give you in order to understand the story in the world so because if they do it too quickly or throw you in too far it's you're going to kind of be lost Mm -hmm. um so you did have enough time to kind of digest it and and get ready to go um yeah i mean do we do we want to just kind of call out specific performances sure i mean all the acting in this is is pretty great all around um i don't i don't have a qualm with anyone really um Timothy Chalamet, he's great. I mean, he's he's good in pretty much everything. He's he's the hot young ticket in Hollywood right now. So, uh, but he does he does very good here. Um, Zendaya is hardly in the movie, <laughs> but <laughs> she she's very good. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, her and Oscar Isaac are probably my two favorite performances. I think they I mean I I think she especially is given the most to do in terms of her of acting range um but and Oscar Isaac I think is just a very charismatic leader and that's why I enjoyed watching his character um but I think they were probably my two favorites um but then everyone else I mean you got uh whichever Skarsgård the dad Skarsgård Stellan Stellan Skarsgård as the uh villain he's very gross and he's he's very mysterious and weird i i think he he works i I, i'm interested to see what they do more with him in any future uh movie or whatever um dave batista is hardly in the movie um jason momoa is jason momoa (laughs) but that's that's fun I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just speaking about role. What do you think of any of them? <laughs> I uh, so I heard Rebecca Ferguson was the best, and I did really like her. I I also agree. I thought the whole cast was great. Some mm-hmm. of the critics said this movie was miscast. I don't know where that was coming from. I I mean, it might just maybe be from, like, if you the read fans of the source material or something. Yeah, I that that would be the one theory I would have too as to why they thought that. I um, one of my friends is a big fan of the Dune books. He loved this movie. He thought it was a really good ad- adaptation. Um, mm-hmm. So that was exciting to hear. I uh, I really liked Oscar Isaac. I think he was my favorite. I just thought his character was very charismatic. I just enjoyed every second he was on on screen. Yeah. He was very likable. You wanted to root for him. He was just a good person. <laughs> like he just, like he had, his fault was kind of his, maybe lack of, knowledge or just kind of the situation he's in but he's just like trying to do his best with the cards he has and he's very smart and tactical and i just liked it i was like oh i like rooting for this guy 
Um, and I thought his relationship with Paul, uh, Timothy Chalamet's character, worked really well in the little time they had to develop it. Yeah, it, it was kind of refreshing because, I mean, you usually have this kind of, as I mentioned before, Paul isn't like rebellious or anything. He's just kind of reluctant to do what his dad wants him to. But his dad is pretty respectful of that. And so from both sides there, it's kind of not something you see a ton in these movies. Usually you have the dad who's a lot more hard, more hard on the kid or the kid is like, I is a lot more rebellious. He's, there's no moments of him being like, you are a Lannister. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's just a nice, cool relationship. I also uh, surprisingly like Jason Momoa. I thought, uh, again, in the short amount of time he has with uh, Paul in this movie, they that relationship worked with me, that connection. And I, did, I really liked Rebecca Ferguson and, and Timothy Chalamet as well. I would have liked to have seen more of Josh Brolin's character. Yeah. I think I, I was telling Holden, I'm like, I don't really. There were some parts where I I thought the score was a little obnoxious, but I there were other parts where I really liked it. So I can I'll give it the benefit of the doubt there. The yeah, one, I think like my biggest gripe with this movie is that I I just wanted to see more of everything. Like I was like, this should be a. <laughs> I mean, I haven't read the books. So I don't know exactly how the second a, second part is structured, but I was like, this movie could have ended. Like this could have been a two and a half hour movie that ended in a particular part of this movie that kind of feels like the climax, and you're like, is it gonna end here? Um, but then there's like another hour of the movie you find out. Uh, I think yeah. they could have maybe drug that out into a whole first installment of a trilogy and really gotten to spend more time developing these characters, developing this world, doing a little bit more showing, not telling, but you know. I think if they're splitting it into two halves, this is this is a really solid introduction um, into the story. Well, and you mentioned a mini series, which I do think would be great for this. And I, I even not even so much a mini series, but you could do like a Game of Thrones style series where each season is like a book. Because I think there's four. I mean, there's a ton of Dune books, but I think the original author had like four or five books he wrote within his vision. So even if you just did like a four or five season show, I think that would be great just to get that whole story in. That'd be fantastic. But I mean, as you said, with with what we have, I think the way they're doing it is, is pretty solid. Um, I, do, I did feel like this movie could have ended a few, or was going to end at a few different places, but I'm glad it didn't because the places where I thought it was going to end, I was like, oh no, <laughs> if it ends here, it's going to be weird and it's going to be jarring and it, it just, it felt like that's where, because I, I had heard it felt like an incomplete vision, you know, because it is the first half. And so I was like, oh, it's going to just cut off in a weird spot or something, but no. The ending is in a better spot than what I expected. Yeah, so. it wasn't as abrupt as I thought people made it out to be. Yeah. So I yeah, thought it I was, thought it was like, in a good spot. Yeah, and, and and Dune achieves the goal of I want to see the second part, and I think it will <laughs> be better. Like it's the climax. I want to see the climax of this story. Mm-hmm. I want to see how it ends. I want to see how these worlds and these things intertwine. All these plot threads. Um, and of course, we got to talk about how it's just downright gorgeous. Greg Frazier of uh, Rogue One fame for uh, the cinematographer. This movie yeah. looks just beautiful. The scale is incredible. Yeah, um, 
I mean, that, that goes to goes alongside all of Denis Villeneuve's other movies. But I mean, I, I guess I didn't realize it was the cinematographer of Rogue One. But that's, I mean, that's a good choice for this movie because the scale of Rogue One is one of the best parts about it. And that really shines here, too. Just everything is so everything is so big <laughs> whenever you see a battle there's always you just see like a like an army of people and they're just tiny and then there's this big ship that's crashing or whatever sending out a, a missile or something and it, it just feels epic in scale yeah you get a good uh, sense of how big everything is so yes um trying to just think what else do we want to dive into non-spoiler wise i guess I'll, I'll mention the structure again this movie how Holden said it could have ended a few different times i never had a sense of how long i had been watching the movie or how much was left <laughs> it was a very bizarre feeling i'm like usually you know like oh we're getting to the end but this movie doesn't really follow a three-act structure it's like you like i said it kind of feels like a trilogy because you you have the end of the first act about like an hour to 30 hour 45 minutes into the movie and then you have like the first half of the second act but then the second act doesn't end so it's kind of i mean there's like a little midpoint of the second act to me that's where it ends oh i felt like it was even just like five small acts like this it's just like a bunch of little little acts that uh because there's a lot happening in this movie and there's a lot of thing in so it just it felt like five small acts or something that that take place but regardless yeah it's it is uh not a traditional three-act structure yeah um in hans zimmer score what'd you think I thought it was really good. I actually, uh, yesterday while I was out door dashing, I, I started listening to it. Um, I think it's it's pretty good. Um, as I mentioned before, it kind of, it runs a little loud in the beginning. I it, I was, I you said you didn't have any problem understanding people, but I was having a hard time understanding some of the characters in the first third, probably, just because the music and everything all the other parts of the sound were so loud and it was like drowning out the characters for me um but aside from aside from that i think the score itself is is beautiful honestly it's it's kind of it's got a more unique feel than a lot more recent hans zimmer movie scores do so it's definitely not the dark knight again like no time to die (laughs) He didn't re- just recycle his music. It is unique. Um, it's not my favorite score. I-, I don't really see myself ever just kind of re-listening to it. I think it's epic when it needs to be. Uh, it's very atmospheric for the most part, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, my preference is a more lyrical John Williams-esque sort of score. But uh, I think this matches the tone and and the overall atmosphere of the movie. So I, I, I think it, it works for me as well. Mm-hmm. A, a couple times I was like, yeah, this is a, seems a little obnoxious and kind of I'd rather n- have it be a little bit more subtle. But uh, yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. Anything else, Holden, before we give our ratings that you want to say for ratings, non-spoilers? Uh, no, I don't think so. Just go see this movie, please. If you, If you have any at all interest to watch it go watch it in the theater so then you contribute to its box office returns <laughs> please we really want to see part two i really think we're gonna get it i mean at this point it's 
I think it's already broken even. I think you, you're right. I'm you, just kind of pessimistic about it because I, I don't know. I, 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 as much as I love Denis Villeneuve's movies, none of his movies make a lot of money, uh, especially like Blade Runner. Well, he but. needs to. He keeps making niche sci-fi movies. <laughs> I don't think everybody's gonna love this movie. I should say that before we give our ratings. I, I, I think you have to be a sci-fi fan to enjoy this. Like, if you're mm-hmm. not a fan of sci-fi and Game of Thrones in space with a heavier sci-fi kind of flair to it, that if that doesn't sound good to you, or if that doesn't sound like something you'd really enjoy, I don't think this is a good movie for you to see. Personally, yeah. um, so it's not going to be it's not a, like a popcorn flick where you go and it's just easily consumable and you're like, oh, that was good. No, it's like something you experience. Yeah, but I also don't think I as it is, it's an experience, but I also don't think it's that hard to digest. Like it's I don't I don't want to like scare people away who might think it's like a very simple like hard to understand film i mean it is it's there's a lot of themes and symbolism in here but it's i think it's a pretty easy watch Mm, i don't know i wouldn't go i wouldn't say it's i'm just saying it's not like avengers or a marvel movie you go yeah you eat your popcorn you have a good time but it's not um i'm thinking about ending things where it's just yeah it's it's like middle ground (laughs) And, you know, it's got art house sort of elements to it, but it's still the plot is there. It's not super abstract. You can follow along. Um, But you do have to be like, okay, this is this person and they want this and this is their motivation. Okay. And all this. Mm -hmm. And all right. But um, yeah. So ratings, Holden, what are you what are you going to give Dune? Uh, I think I'll give it a nine. Um, Yeah, I think I'm sitting comfortably at a nine. I think I'm at, oh, I'm torn. I think I'm going to go eight and a half. Really? Um, yeah, I really did like it. I think uh, part of it for me is just the rewatchability. I just don't think this one is like, you know, it's like, I'm just going to rewatch part two. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, well, I, I, yeah, we had that kind of conversation after the movie and i i initially thought that but i have a really big desire to rewatch it already so i think i <laughs> maybe i'm not part of that camp anymore i i'm kind of i kind of want to rewatch it i think i some of the uh, some of the critics say this movie lacks a soul and i can kind of relate to it it feels a little bit hollow and i think it's just because some of the relationships aren't like if you had a whole season to flesh out some of these relationships, things that happen in the movie would be more impactful than they are. Mm-hmm. It just kind of seems like it happens. Okay, I was supposed to feel something, and I kind of feel it, but I don't feel it to the full extent of what it could have been. Yeah. Well, and um, luckily, I, I'm glad the movie doesn't play... It, it doesn't... I don't think the movie tries to make you feel anything that you don't feel uh, that doesn't make sense but i like it doesn't over dramatize it yeah it doesn't sometimes it's like you have the huge outrageous like sad cellos and you know yeah exactly so it's not like you have an underdeveloped character who dies and then you know it's just this sad sad scene it's nothing like that 
which is good because as you said they there is a lack of characterization a little bit in some some relationships but but yeah so i think that's where i'm at but i i did really enjoy it and i'm, I'm excited for part two part two yeah. part two part two part two part two part two all right let's hold get on. on to part two of our discussion uh the spoiler discussion i see what you did there but we have to get greenlit by warner bros first oh true good news we got greenlit by warner bros uh so we're here with our spoiler discussion of dune thank you to the warner brothers yeah thank you eric and kevin warner (laughs) (laughs) yeah for for approving uh dune part two spoiler discussion (laughs) it's gonna happen hold it dune part two is gonna happen because you can't you can't piss off christopher nolan and Denis Villeneuve in the same year (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't lose both of them yeah well and i mean denis uh, he's he's one of those people who i mean he's like christopher nolan very outspoken against the hbo max thing and so you've already kind of torqued him off for this so you don't need a you don't need a nail on the coffin like you should just greenlit part two and get back on good terms with them yeah otherwise you'll have michael bay making movies for you <laughs> but then those will make money so i guess what am i talking oh, about yeah. Yeah, isn't it going to be sad when Ambulance makes more than this? <laughs> I don't think so. I think Dune's going to make more than Ambulance. We'll see. I don't know. It's a Michael Bay. The 5 UN bill is on the line. <laughs> <laughs> Holden, what's what's the biggest spoiler in this movie you want to spoil first? Well, okay. So I, you know, you mentioned Game of Thrones earlier, and I came really close to just saying Oscar Isaac is Ned Stark. <laughs> but I... <laughs> I I figured if I said that it might it might spoil the the end to his character. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that until you mentioned Game of Thrones. I was like, oh, he really is just Ned Stark because he's this like really nice. Like he is probably one of the best people in the movie. Just he's he's a very good charismatic leader, and his his followers love him. And then he gets he get he gets sent to a new place, and then tricked and gets killed. <laughs> Yeah, I I think uh, Oscar Isaac's character is a little bit more politically adept. It was just like he he's too on like he's too honorable. They both have that same fault. Like, oh, you mm-hmm. called us to do this, we do it because we we always follow the order of the emperor, and we're a loyal servant, and we do what we are told, even though he 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 knows what's going in. Like, this is to turn House Harkonnen against us. And we need to be prepared for a war with them because he wants to weaken our houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he goes about and does it anyway, even though it's not in his best interest. So that he has that in common with Ned Stark as well. Spoiler for Game of Thrones. Yeah. Oh, I, I guess I couldn't really, I couldn't really mention this um, in non-spoilers. I mentioned this to you afterwards, and I think this is, I, I think this is just how it is in the book. From what I understand, because I also talked to someone who um, had read Dune before, I, for me personally, I wasn't a huge fan of how they just get to Arrakis and then they, like, like the, they just get killed like immediately. Yeah, I, to, I agree. It, to me, it was like 
they didn't get like even one successful spice harvest and i know like a lot of their equipment was shoddy or whatever like that's fine but like i don't know i i feel like with how quickly they they just destroyed house atreides i feel like they could have had they could have just they didn't have to go through all the hassle of moving them to arrakis or whatever and found a different way of doing it or something it I don't know. I, I would have liked them to get more established on the planet before everything goes wrong. Well, I would have liked to have seen more of a fight. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they just get, I mean, it was not close. <laughs> that was uh, that was uh, uh, Seahawks Broncos Super Bowl. There, Holden, <laughs> I'm sure you get that reference. I totally get it. You I know, mean, on Peyton, one hand, they, the bad snap from the beginning and it was over, man. So I this was just like just a landslide. On one hand, I kind of, I appreciate how it was quick because, like, you have Harkonnen. He goes and gets the Empire, like, some of the Empire's army or what the Emperor's army. And so they have this huge army. And I'm like, well, how, are, how is House Atreides going to stand up to this? And they didn't pull a Game of Thrones where Atreides just suddenly has a bunch more people. <laughs> like, it's just out of nowhere, like in the last season of Game of Thrones or something. Like, they just it, it, got the Unsullied and the Dothraki and yeah. a few dragons. <laughs> so I, I agree. It would have been more It would have been more satisfying, I think, if there was more of a fight. But I think with what the movie gave us, it was, it was correct in what they did. Or just like chaos after... Oscar Isaac's character gets assassinated. Mm-hmm. Maybe a power struggle. Someone tries to, you know, maybe. I mean, you got to base it off the book, but I don't know what happens in the book. But maybe, you know, it's like somebody tries to vie for the power over a House of Treaties, or you have some the the military kind of disbands. I mean, their soldiers were incredibly loyal. It looked like, but yeah, I mean, I it does seem very very quick that it happens i was expecting that to be at the culmination yeah of the two movies was going to be the confrontation between the harkonnens and the atreides but it was not it was it was the end of the first act well yeah and the a trilogy, lot of the, the three overall between the two yeah and a lot of the action scenes you see in the trailer are part of that end of first act which it, i mean in the trailer i just assumed that that was the climax of the movie but it wasn't and when we say end of first act we're talking about like between the two movies the three acts not this movie because the the end of the first act is what like an hour and a half into the movie yeah basically yeah basically so i mean just interesting i mean it was very visually stunning i think it would be even cool to see more of the fighting and all that i liked how there aren't guns i like how it's all like hand to hand yeah, that was cool. I thought it, it could have been more intimate, if that makes sense. It it kind of felt, kind of felt like we were a spectator watching this happen rather than experiencing mm-hmm. the attack. If that makes sense, like when comparing it to like Battle of the Bastards from Game of Thrones, where you are kind of you are in Jon Snow's position and you have that oneer where he's going through things and it's just chaos and people are flying everywhere and you're like, just the the, the chaos of war. This has felt more like staged, I guess, where it was, I mean, it, to a stunt extent it is because it's a well-executed plan, infiltration, invasion of, of Arrakis. But 
I think it just could have felt a little bit grittier. It felt kind of clean. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. Like it just I, felt it, didn't re- it, it it wasn't like survival. Like I'm trying to survive and I'm going to do anything mm-hmm. to survive. It was like, all right, I punch, punch, punch. Okay, you win. I slice you. Okay, next person. Yeah, it didn't really bother me that much. Um, I didn't yeah. think. I don't think it's bad. I just saying it was. It that's where it felt a little that hollowness come in. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I just sure. I wish it had more of that like human instinct of survival, grittiness. Whereas it felt clean it felt like like original trilogy star wars kind of action where it's like pew 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 oh i hit a stormtrooper you know not like (laughs) you know what i'm saying not like literally it was like that but it just like the same sort of feeling sure but i'm just saying i liked how it was hand-to-hand combat instead of guns yeah yeah that was cool um Let's we can mention how the the city on Arrakis looks like the city from Blade Runner twenty forty nine if it if it was just covered in sand. Yeah, the Wallace Enterprise or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're like palace or house or whatever it is that the the Atreides they stay in. It's it does just look like the pyramid from twenty forty nine. I thought there was a lot of Blade Runner influence there. I would have loved to seen the culture there. It's just the daily life a little bit more because you can kind of see the people there as they get off their ships and stuff. They're like, oh, whatever. They're cheering for them. But you don't really get a sense for what the city is actually like. It kind of feels empty. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of goes along with what I said before is like if we had that time to establish them on the planet like a little bit before the attack happens, then we could probably see more of that like city life. Yeah, um, I just don't think there is any time for that because this the book is so big they, and it is incredible they condensed as much as they did into this movie. I don't, I don't blame their choice. Like I don't, <laughs> the choice for them to cut out all that stuff I think was practical on their side. It's just disappointing, I guess. Yeah. Um. What else should we talk about? We got. Lady Jessica is in the what did they call them like the Bene Jesuit or something? Yeah, something like that. Um, let me just look up the synopsis so I can remember. That, the hardest part about this movie is remembering all the names <laughs> of everything, except for Duncan Idaho. Duncan Idaho. It's pretty easy to remember. Uh, let's see. We have the scene with the, the Gam Jabbar, or however you pronounce it, that where he puts his hand in the box. Oh, yeah. Um, Lady Jessica. What's in the box? What's in the box? It's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. All yeah, right. She's, she's biting his hand. <laughs> uh, Bene Gesserit. But the Bene Gesserit, I think is how okay. you pronounce it. Uh, they were an interesting kind of like magical shadow organization that seems like they're not kind of like they're not an official like like house Mm -hmm. that's vying for power but they're this like they're kind of pulling the strings here and there they're like the little finger of uh of the (laughs) keep making game of thrones comparisons well i mean we have to (laughs) we got to have some sort of basis to compare things to uh but they're pulling the strings kind of behind the Mm -hmm. scenes they're they're influencing what's going on yeah, and they have a little bit more of that mystical power. I mean, they had the voice, um, 
which was an interesting power to have. Yeah. I thought that was established pretty well at the beginning of the movie. I actually, I, I was seeing like people really commend how that was introduced and I like how they introduced it like right away. That was cool. But I didn't, I, that first scene, I guess I just didn't understand what it was supposed to do. I thought it was like, I didn't either. I didn't realize you were like making somebody do something. Yeah. But, but I, I definitely figured it out by the, the Gom Javar scene. Yeah. I think we were just, I, I, I think we're in the minority there though. Cause I've seen a lot of people talk about how well that element was introduced, but well, I mean, we are, we, we are, are slower. Stupid. Yeah. We're pretty <laughs> dumb. Uh, other things, um, talk about just the, the Baron Harkonnen just floats, <laughs> just hovers around. I, yeah, I it's small things, small weird things like that that just make this feel so otherworldly. Like they, I mean, they, they're human, I think, but they they have just like shaved heads. They're all like gray people. They they just have weird designs. They do weird things, and that's present through like everyone in the movie. There's just like these small things that keep it from feeling like it's just humans from planet Earth out in space. Everyone kind of looks like they're a chess piece <laughs> with their hats and veils and outfits. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I want to talk about the Arcanins for a little bit. You got all this money. <laughs> Where is that going? Where is it going? Is you just give it all to the emperor? I mean, I, I don't understand. Where is this money going? Because you all live like garbage. Yeah. I mean, maybe you like your spider dog things, but you know, invest in lighting. Lighting is good. <laughs> Philips Hue. <laughs> like, get some. You know, Alexa, please turn the color, the lights to party mode. You know, maybe, we, we got to liven it up a little bit. Get a little projector theater maybe room. We'll learn in part two that they have like night vision. Maybe. Um. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, no, it is weird though, because I mean, they they were on Arrakis for so long, and they were this, they would, you know, harvest all of this incredibly uh, pricey resource, and now they just don't. It's just they just don't look like they have the money. I mean, the Sith at least built the Death Death Star. Yeah. You oh guys yeah. Are just. <laughs> yeah, they're they're. I mentioned to you that they're place where they keep meeting it just looks like the sith planet from rise of skywalker yeah exegol exegol yeah i mean that's not a complaint i just think it's funny um they also all look like they're darth vader outside of his <laughs> outside of his <laughs> armor to yeah me. End um, of episode six you know they could have at least bought some rogaine or something i, I <laughs> you know i just want to know where all the money's going because i if you got if you're loaded you got to be living it up i mean especially if you're the baron I, he's just eats yeah it's just all going to the baron's feasts <laughs> you see all that food he's got i mean you you would think some of it would go to his legs but apparently it doesn't it just goes all to his belly and his neck yeah um <laughs> but uh he kind of reminds me of when i go to pizza ranch and i'm just <laughs> just shoving things into my mouth and and, uh, Midwest conquer, reference for you and, and conquering the galaxy <laughs> so I don't know what you do at Pizza Ranch but that's what I do shove chicken in my face and conquer desert planets 
Um, we did. We never mentioned the sandworms at all. Oh yeah, they're big sandworms. They're like this. It's like if you took the thing that almost eats the Millennium Falcon and the asteroid and Empire Strikes Back, and you mix it with the Sarlacc pit, mm-hmm. and you got a sandworm. Yeah, it's like the Alaskan bullworm. Yeah, Alaskan bullworm too. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean, their design, I, I've i loved their design since the trailer came out and we see that big sandworm look down on Paul and Lady Jessica. Um, but yeah, I think they're really cool. I like how the, the like, sand people, whatever they're called, they... Tuscan Raiders. <laughs> oh, the they, Fremen. Uh, they just, the what? Fremen. Fremen, they just like ride. They have like grapple hooks that they like. That is cool. And, I'm excited yeah. for that. And we get we got a little tease of that in this. We saw it briefly in one of the what's her name the the one lady had the grapple hooks out. I was like, oh yeah, she's gonna grapple onto the sandworm, but then she gets killed. I was wondering um, what she was gonna do with those. I did yeah. not realize she was gonna ride it. Good, yeah, good connection. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see that be used in the next and the next one yes very it's very, very practical exciting. i mean if you're on the, you might as well use these giant fast monsters if you're stuck on a planet with them um we can also talk about how there's like uh not computers i mean paul has his little like library video mm. <laughs> about arrakis that he's studying but it's not like computer screens it's all very analog kind of feels like 70s star wars in that way or at least that era of sci-fi so that's cool too well yeah i i guess um with that and the fact that they don't really use guns this movie i i think one of the things i like about it is the technology doesn't just feel like extensions of our technology like it feels truly alien for the most part like i feel like in a lot of sci-fi movies it's just like even if it's an alien world it's basically just what we have but a little more advanced maybe with a little different look but everything in this just feels like it's not based on anything from earth really and it's just this race evolved and got this like tech this different type of technology yeah i agree it's the hit future of the past or whatever the star wars slogan is used future um yeah, but Duncan Idaho, we haven't really talked about Jason Momoa. My boy. My boy. Um, I liked him. I just really did. I just enjoyed him. He was I, I like how the characters are just likable in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Like you really do root for House of Trades. Um and I'm I really want to get to know the other houses too. I hope they play a role and we have some more of that ambiguity. It does mm-hmm. very much feel like good guy, bad guy at this at this point. With kind of, you have the, the Bene Gesserit kind of in that amb- ambiguous middle role. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm excited to see more ambiguity, hopefully, in a second part. Yeah, me too. I Yeah, Duncan Idaho, sad that he died. I was hoping to see him in the sequel, but alas. Um. Yeah, I <laughs> I like how he's like I said before, he's basically just Jason Momoa. <laughs> he is. He's just but, Aquaman in a desert. Yeah. I also like what, how they just were like talking about how cool the Fremen were. Yeah. Yeah, I 
there's yeah i guess that was another thing that it was refreshing for this is i mean the fremen are this native people to uh, arrakis and it's um and they uh, they know the land and they've been trouble for previous inhabitants um but like a tra- house atreides isn't like we need to wipe them out we need to like we need to deal with them they're very diplomatic and uh, like you said duncan idaho goes and he like respect he learns and learns to respect a lot of what they do it's very cool yeah it's just different from other (laughs) sci-fi that's where a lot of my compliments come from is the uniqueness of this and i guess that probably speaks to the uniqueness of the source material because i'm pretty sure a lot of this is just from the book so yeah it's kind of like avatar Mm -hmm. that movie that is it's all right (laughs) i haven't really watched it uh anything else we want to talk about with june i'm just kind of looking through things do we have anything to say about zendaya she's not she's not really in it no Um, i I wouldn't even we didn't really mention the visions at all yeah i I like how it's kind of ambiguous it's like it's kind of the future it's more the essence of the future or the essence of the truth than actually the truth which i thought was interesting how he kind of sees the future but but not really Mm -hmm. yeah and this movie is very focused on showing that the the future is not set in stone even though there's this whole like prophecy destiny thing going on and i mean he's having these visions but it's very clear through the actions of this movie especially the ending that that's as you said it's the essence of the future and things are going to be able to change yeah, I'm excited for part two. Part two, part two, part two. Part two, part two, part two. Uh, let's see. Just looking over the plot synopsis. Yeah, there's so much there's so much to this movie. Like <laughs> this has been a long discussion, but that's just because there's so much to talk about. I um, like the I like the relationship between Paul and his mom too. We didn't really mention that. That's yeah, pretty good. Oh, the and, amount of trust she has to go through to allow him to... I mean, if he fails the gum jabbar, he's dead. I mean, it's, he gets a little poison needle in the neck. And Lady Jessica is a concubine. She is, okay. Yeah, because we talked about that afterwards. So I, I thought check. it was just a derogatory term used yeah. by the Baron. Yeah, no, technically she is, but I think she's just grown to be more than that over the years. I see you, Oscar Isaac. Um, it's weird. I'm. I wonder if in the book he has more than one concubine. Then, yeah, I don't know. It. It. I. I can't remember. I think maybe I looked up the plot or something, and the plot referred to her as such. So, but uh, yeah. Anything else, Holden? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I've covered everything I want to cover. We got the scene where Oscar Isaac tries to poison all the all the Harkonnens. Yep, which was cool. Yep, betrayed by the the doctor. Yeah, but I like apparently how the doctor. The doc- I like how the doctor was did it for like he. You could see his intentions mm-hmm. and how he was. He was basically like, "You guys are screwed anyway." <laughs> now we could get rid of the Baron, give you guys a chance. 
I'm going to help save Paul. Like he was like, I'm trying to make a, get the most out of a bad situation sort of deal. Yeah. Apparently the doctor is, was like more fleshed out in the book. That was one. I think that was the biggest character thing I was seeing that people were disappointed with was he, I mean, we got, you know, his reasoning for why he did what he did, but apparently he has a lot more in the book that is makes him more of a sympathetic character through more of the movie or through more of the book. But I mean, it, I, I don't really have a problem with it because I didn't hadn't read the book. So. Yeah. And you could tell like you're like, there's more of a relationship here that we just aren't seeing. Mm-hmm. So you get it. I get it. It happens. All right. Hold in. Last call for dune that's it we're done right. cutting us off all right holden what are you doing what are you doing what are you doing no what are you doing what are you doing no what are you doing what are you doing well i've watched a lot this week um i i don't remember if i had mentioned last i think maybe i'd mentioned last week that i have been like binging steven universe and i've been doing mm-hmm. it very quickly <laughs> i i've finished the main series this week um finished it's five seasons um and i watched the movie that comes out but there's all there's like an epilogue series that comes after the the main series and the movie i haven't started that yet but I've finished everything else, and it is. I just love it so much. This this little series. I, um, I was apprehensive because it has a slow start, but it gets so good. I these characters. It, it's. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it aside from I just love it, and everyone's so such a good character. Ah. I don't know. So in the ending to the, I mean, if they had just ended it after that main series, it would have been great. But apparently this epilogue series is very good. So yeah, we'll see. Um, that's ex- that's always exciting to find a series that just resonates with you. Yeah. And also one that, you know, not as widely known. It's kind of yeah. like you have your own little niche that you get to appreciate and, you know, go online and connect with other people or watch the other people who would, who enjoy it and appreciate it too. Yeah, I can definitely see why like it had a pretty big fan base with the younger people, with the younger people, <laughs> with the young <laughs> the kids, folk. the young folk. Like a, a few years ago, I can see why it was big. But um, yeah, um, aside from that, I watched Friday the Thirteenth, the original, and I do not think it's good. <laughs> Really, I don't. I don't think it's that entertaining. Even from like a so bad, it's good. Um, I it's it's just kind of a mediocre slasher movie. I'm kind of. I I want to try the next couple because I think they get more ridiculous and and funny as they go. But this first one was just kind of boring. It takes itself pretty seriously. Uh, I mean, famously, this movie doesn't actually have Jason as the main villain. It's his mom, because in universe at this point, Jason is like died at the camp years ago. And so this is the mom upset that the camp is reopening and taking revenge. But this mom is like not established at all. <laughs> like she, uh, she both she and Jason aren't mentioned until she enters the movie like two thirds of the way in. Like, there's kills happening that she's doing, but we're not actually introduced to her. And then, like, five minutes after she's introduced, she's revealed to be the villain. 
<laughs> it's just very poor setup for this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's got it's got a little charm because it's got the cliches. But I just I did not like it that much. Oh, I um I watched that Killer Pants movie Slacks <laughs> <laughs> that released like earlier this year. I think. are you just binging these on Shutter or Peacock yeah Shutter? What are these on? It's Shutter and Peacock uh, primarily because um, Shutter I managed to get another free thirty day subscription and obviously it's Halloween so I'm watching a bunch of horror movies and then Peacock bought for Halloween Kills so I'm trying to watch a bunch of movies I want to watch on this on these platforms and Slacks made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. I mean it. I mean it's exactly what you think it's gonna be a killer pants movie. It's it's got some good kills in it. Um, good good puppet work i didn't realize that like the pants are all like puppeted and it's it's pretty cool I, that was probably my favorite part of the movie there's a there's a point where one of the pants like the way they puppeted it like it kind of looked like a muppet i don't know how to describe it without like literally showing you but it, it looked like a muppet <laughs> i was like oh that's fun um i watched black christmas um Alrighty. old old i think it's like considered one of the very first slasher movies from the 70s um uh, but it is fun fact it, directed by the same person who directed a christmas story and it's just like completely different vibes but they're both christmas movies this one's a slasher movie it was pretty good um and then the most recent one i watched was deep red um which it, i watched because it's on shutter it's been on my list for a while and it's we just watched Malignant, and this is one of those uh, Italian giallo movies that supposedly Malignant paid homage to. So I, I had that added layer of oh, I kind of want to, kind of want to see if I understand Malignant more. <laughs> um, and it was pretty good. I it's it's got some good creepy stuff in it. It's a very unique paced and structured horror movie because at first it there's a kill at the beginning but there's a good chunk in like the first act where it doesn't it doesn't even feel like it's a horror movie it kind of almost just feels like a a detective like crime movie or something Hmm. um and it's pretty it's pretty good um all around i don't i don't fully see the connection between this and malignant i maybe i should rewatch malignant down i have no desire to do it right now but maybe down the line i'll do it at some point and see it I think maybe the biggest thing is the music in this is also very weird and out of place. It's got this like weird progressive rock soundtrack that feels out of, but I felt like it worked better in this than Malignant's weird soundtrack did. So I don't know. Fun fact, apparently the director of Deep Red tried to get Pink Floyd to do the soundtrack, but there were scheduling conflicts. So it's a different progressive rock band. Um... And then in terms of games, I beat the Doom 3, all that stuff, finally. Um, I've been playing the Spyro Reignited trilogy because I bought that a few years ago and I beat one of the games, but I didn't beat the other one. So I'm just kind of going back. I really like the Spyro games. and I'm going to beat them all now. Um, I think I'm going to pick up final fantasy 7 remake actually i didn't really integrate or 
probably integrate. Yeah, I might as well. The PS5 it was version. Free, I think, on PS Plus. Yeah. Something was free. I own Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I think it was free. I Remake. don't, but I didn't have PlayStation Plus at the time, so I don't have it. Um, but I think I'll pick up the PS5 version with Integrade. I one of my friends uh, from Lincoln just invited me to go to. There's a big touring orchestra coming to Omaha that is playing Final Fantasy VII Remake music. Apparently the soundtrack for that game is very good. So, and that's in like February. So I, and I kind of wanted to play the game anyway. So I'm like, all right, I need to play this and beat it by February. So then I actually know (laughs) the music that I'm going to listen to. Yeah. I enjoyed it in the demo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll probably do that sometime soon. I think that's it for me though. Jimmy, what about you? Uh, really the only thing I think I've done, cause I have not played God of War two in a while, uh, over a week, I think, uh, just cause I've been staying up and I'm watching the baseball playoffs and haven't been waking up early before work to do that. Um, I had, I did though Friday night, uh, watch, finish watching squid game. Oh yeah. Finally, cause I had taken, I had been a kind of a week off of that too. And I enjoyed it. I think some of the twists I was like that ah, I saw that coming some of the twists I did not see coming um it's enjoyable it's open for second season I don't know if you finished it holding you were kind of casually checking in and out of it I know I know everything that happens <laughs> okay so I I enjoyed it I think there I, I like the characters I think were the best part of the show and I think there's a ways to make it even even better but it, it's just a fun watch I guess that has yeah you know decent social commentary and and it was this guy's passion project so i'm, I'm glad it got made and i got it's cool to see something like that be really popular yeah um, later down the line i might sit down and watch all of it um i there were i mean without i, I won't we won't spoil anything there was something i did really like in the last couple episodes i was like dang that's that's interesting um but and so that kind of makes me want to rewatch the whole thing but yeah we'll see yeah um yeah uh so uh, i i liked it it wasn't like the best show ever but it was entertaining mm-hmm. and it was different which was fun so i think that's it for me though oh so. i did want to since i finished the steven universe stuff i'm re-watching cowboy bebop for that netflix show comes out but all right cool sounds good um, take us home holden Sweet. Well, next week I'll do Last Night in Soho, which is my most anticipated movie of the year. Um, the that and Dune were right alongside each other, uh, both in my list and in the in the release weeks. So right below, week. right below Spiral, right below Spiral. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got that coming out. Um, we have. Uh, I really want to see the French Dispatch, but it's not showing anywhere in Sioux Falls. <laughs> So I don't, I don't think uh, unless it shows at like the state or maybe at a different theater down the line, I don't think we're going to be able to do it. I would think it would show at the state if they showed Lamb. Yeah, that's what I think. If they showed Lamb, they should show the French Dispatch. And if no, no that other, the other one that is looks kind of like Titanic, but I'm a, I don't know how to pronounce it. Titan, Titan, something like that. Titan, Titan, Titany. Um, 
yeah, so uh, Last Night in Soho and then Eternals in two weeks. Um, so if you want to leave us a request, you can do so by uh, leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or you can email us at tompodcast at gmail.com or donate to our Patreon. Um, yeah, I think that's it though, Jimmy. All righty, Holden. Adios, pantalones. Love you. <laughs>